Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyet, that's Creole for something extra. A myriad of new local restaurants are making Boston a seafood lover's haven. Plus, the growth of the local Portuguese-American population in greater Boston has inspired new Portuguese restaurants featuring the flavorful cuisine of crispy cod cakes to tasty egg tarts. And wine lovers are choosing an old favorite, Chardonnay, for their fall sipping, driving sales upwards in the millions. And move over, boxed wine and canned wine. Next up, wine in paper bottles. Our food and wine contributors are sipping and savoring those stories and more. Joining me in the studio, Jonathan Alsup, founder and executive director of the Boston Wine School and author of The Wine Lover's Devotional. Hi, Jonathan. Hello, Callie. Also with me, Amy Traverso, senior food editor at Yankee Magazine, co-host of the GBH series Weekends with Yankee and author of The Apple Lover's Cookbook. Hello, Amy. Hey, Callie. I'm so glad to have you uh, looking forward to fall as we all are. I'm not really looking forward to fall, but but I like the fall food and wine. It's always what comes after that <laughs> I, makes I it like hard. I like food and wine. So, Amy, listen, we all thought Boston has a reputation being a seafood lover's haven. So what's new? You know, one thing that's really struck me in recent months is how many new restaurants have opened in Boston. It's as if, you know, during the pandemic, whatever downtime chefs had, they were dreaming up new ideas, and now we're seeing them all come to fruition. And it's interesting how many of them have a seafood focus. And of course, Boston has always been associated with seafood, but I think given the number of restaurants like, you know, 311 Omakase, which is, you know, Japanese but very seafood driven in the South End, all that fish and oyster from Garrett Harker, who's opening up three new restaurants in uh, Kenmore Square, Maweka in Cambridge. They're very seafood driven. And I think there's this kind of critical mass of really, really excellent seafood restaurants in Boston now that are uh, more imaginative, doing, you know, more, more um, uh, experimental things, not just the like scrod and the lobster. Um, and I think it's giving Boston a way to identify itself as a food town in a more focused way. You know, I was in Portland, Maine this weekend, and Portland has such a sense of itself as a food town. You know, we're all about small, chef-owned, like farm-to-table, blah, blah, blah. I think Boston is a little bit too big to have had an easy identity, and it shouldn't have a single identity. But I think sort of being the nation's premier seafood town is is a really good um, identity for us. And you add that to existing places like, you know, Mooncusser, Puritan Oyster, um, Ocetra. You know, there's lots of like great existing seafood restaurants. So I'm just excited to see that pride and that um, that that Boston Boston as a magnet for people who are interested in, like, the top seafood in the country. And, you know, uh, Moeka, we should say, one one of Bon Appetit's two best, yes. in, in, locally, two best restaurants, you know, in the country. Yeah. Um, so that's something to say. And, you know, I got to remember my f- personal favorites, uh, 
Row 34. Love it. Yes, love that. (laughs) Row 34. I mean, there's so many good ones. Love Um, it. Yeah, Select Oyster Bar, Neptune (laughs) Oyster. I know. There's just so many good ones. We're really, really lucky. Exactly. All right, now, Jonathan, so what we find out, and it won't be me drinking it, but but lots of people are going back to the old favorite Chardonnay, and uh, sales are going through the roof. What is happening? So first of all, Chardonnay is... um, the grape you love to hate. Uh, I thought that was Merlot. <laughs> Merlot. You know what? They trade off now and again. Um, you know, there's always been this ABC, anything but Chardonnay That's me. Um, a team out there. Uh, one of the things that we do see in uh, wine class all the time, especially among people who are new to wine, you know, new wine lovers just starting their lives, is, you know, they hear about these ideas like screw cap wine is cheap. Um, rosé wine is for novices. Nobody drinks Chardonnay anymore. You know, they, they hear this, but they don't really, one, they don't feel that way, and they're curious about where these ideas come from. And um, you're right about Chardonnay. It's having, a, having something of a, of a, of a resurgence um, right now. Uh, Gallo just bought uh, Rombauer, and Rombauer is the, the king of that um, overblown, over-oaked, you know, if a, little, if a little bit of oak is good, a thousand times more is a thousand times better. Rombauer is really that style of California, um, of California uh, Chardonnay. Um, and I think it just, you know, we, we inevitably um, in some ways come full circle. Um, you know, one thing I always say to people who say, one, they don't like Chardonnay, it's not that they don't like Chardonnay. They just don't like Chardonnay with so much oak that you get a splinter when you drink it. That's, that's, what, that's what they don't like. And if you think you don't like Chardonnay, don't drink it for about six months and then drink it again. And you'll be saying, where have you been all my life? All right. Well, that, that's a test for me because I find it boring. But um, here's Asti Wine Consultants explaining why Chardonnay can be perfect for autumn. Chardonnay is great for fall, particularly when aged in oak. As you see, its flavor range from uh, apples and lemons to papaya and pineapple, and it also uh, shows notes of vanilla when aged in oak. So, you know, it is a food-friendly wine. I know that. I just don't. I think it's boring, and there's so many other choices. And people don't really know this, but Chardonnay is the grape of famous famous white burgundy. Yes. So I will say I do cheat because white burgundy is really good. (laughs) So let's move on. (laughs) Um, I might be guzzling some white burgundy with Portuguese food, Amy. Um, So, hey, we have a huge uh, Portuguese American population here. It's been here forever. Um, I'm well aware of it on Martha's Vineyard. And now all of a sudden Portuguese restaurants popping up everywhere. Well, so there's, yeah, there's a, there's an interesting um, crystallization. You you know, Boston has always had Portuguese restaurants. Um, I've always wondered why there weren't more fine dining options for Portuguese food, given how many Portuguese Americans we have here, how many people have started to travel there in greater numbers in the past, like five, 10 years. So now we have something which I think is the watershed, which is Amar, which is a new restaurant at the Raffles Hotel, which is also new, from George Mendez. And I love these stories of kids who grow up in Massachusetts, they go to the big, they go to New York, uh, they make their mark, right? He won two stars uh, from, uh, he well, he's a Michelin starred chef 
from uh, from his restaurant Aldea in New York City, which he closed. He moved back to Massachusetts, and now he's opened Amar um, at the Raffles Hotel. So he's doing really refined takes on some of the classics, like salt cod croquettes, uh, lobster with Azorian pineapple and fermented grilled fennel. So like it's a lobster dish, but not what you would typically expect. Um, and you know seafood stews that are sort of classic, but doing it in this really beautiful way. Um, and that also reminds me to give a shout out to Portugalia Market in Fall River. That place is extraordinary. It's like the Italy for Portuguese food. It's locally owned by this wonderful family, the Benavides family. Um, it is a paradise for shopping. They have an incredible wine program. Un- unbelievable, unbelievable assortment and inventory of Portuguese wines mm. there. And for Amar, George Mendes has partnered with Portugalia for getting, you know, for ingredients. And they have an entire room at Portugalia devoted to salt cod. And there's different grades, and it's kept at the perfect humidity and temperature for salt cod. It's so much fun to shop there. It's a place to find bargain olive oil that is excellent. It's just, I cannot recommend it enough. So I think this kind of uh, adding that layer of um, fine dining Portuguese food and shopping to our existing restaurants like Casa Portugal and JJ Restaurant and Restaurant Cesaria. There's there's existing good, more home style places. Just it's good to see that 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 um, Portuguese food is operating on different levels now and different layers um, as befits the large population here. And you're right about the travel. People are going to Portugal and the Azores like crazy. So, yeah. um, hence the interest in the cuisine. Yeah. And as long as they're egg tarts, I'm good. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And, you know, there should be more bakeries making this. I mean, Hello. in London, every bakery has the pastéis de nage. They don't have them here that often. It's probably good because yeah. I'd be as big as this room <laughs> if they did. All right. <laughs> Moving on um, to wines for fall that you're thinking about. Um, uh, would be good for uh, the listeners to pay attention to, Jonathan? Well, so um, we do drink some white wine after Labor Day, Mm -hmm. but there is always this big shift. Um, Really, people's tastes change in food. Uh, People's tastes uh, change in wine um, as well. A couple of reds that I'm really loving. One is a grape from Argentina called Bonarda. Never heard of it before. Bonarda is kind of the second grape Um, right behind Malbec. This is impossible for people to visualize uh, because people are so in love with Malbec. But eventually, after you drink like 12 times your body weight, you do start saying, hey, there must, what what else do I drink? And the answer to that question is Bonarda. Uh, um, It's a little bit lighter than Malbec. It's got a little bit more, you know, Malbec can be very dark and brooding. Bonarda's maybe got a little more... um, positive mental attitude. Um, <laughs> lo- love that uh, with roasted um, harvest vegetables. Um, you know, any sort of any any sort of carrot, potato, any sort of root vegetables. I like to I like to hit them with a little with a little brown sugar or a little turbinado sugar before they go in. I'm excited about it. I want to try that because I've never had that. Um, you know, back to you, Amy, on the on the food side, um, Nubian market. Now, I've been over to Nubian. Um, there's a space for during Christmas time, like holiday little things. But I didn't know about this market. This is really exciting. I mean, it, it, it's it, we were talking about Portugalia as yeah. the the Italy for Portuguese food. In a way, I feel like Nubian market is 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 this kind of 
for, this is not the best metaphor, but like an Italy for the African diaspora and African cuisine in terms of being a place where you can get imported ingredients, great imported ingredients. They're completely devoted to like really ethical, ethically sourced meats that are also halal, um, humanely raised. They're sourcing vegetables from local farmers, uh, especially farmers who might be raising, um, you know, produce that is especially used in African and diaspora cuisine. Um, and it represents all, they have a, a, a cafe that has dishes from all over the continent, you know, jer- and the diaspora, jerk chicken, ginger beef with injera, chickpea peanut stew. And I love that the menu actually has a map of sort of what, where this dish comes from. It's so exciting. And the, the and it's, it's the market itself is meant to sort of evoke like a marketplace feeling. And then there is a space, a community space for gatherings. They do catering. It's, it's really exciting. So this is a Nubian square in Roxbury and it's just wonderful. I can't, I'm actually going to head over there today. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful addition to the Boston food scene. Well, you know, you have me at peanut stew. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> the menu is incredible. It looks, it's so good. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. <laughs> Well, they're going to do well during the holidays. Yeah. You know, that's a great spot to do everything. Now, you know, uh, we're talking about uh, various wines that we like for fall, uh, Jonathan. But I note that wine consumption is off a little bit. Yes. So how can that be? We drank it all during the the pandemic. (laughs) I know. We we drank it all. There was none left. Um, So U.S. wine consumption um, in 2022 fell by one liter per person. Um, or down 9%. So in the aftermath of the pandemic, I mean, a a lot of this is sort of the, um, uh, you know, during the pandemic, wine consumption was through the roof. Um, Since we're not French, um, you know, there's only one place to go but down, you know, from from this peak. I think it's really just, um, I, I I don't think it's anything to be particularly concerned about. Um, I think it's just a reaction from this from this um, incredible jump that we experienced um, during COVID times. All right, Amy, tell us about the Gilmore Girls coffee cake cookies. <laughs> so I never want to jump on TikTok food trends too much because they're so fleeting and a lot of them are just stupid. Yeah. But I love this. And I, I, I so I, as I mentioned, I was in Portland, Maine this past weekend and I was at a, a bakery, uh, very much beloved, called the Bake Maine Pottery Cafe. And I saw these coffee cake cookies. I was like, well, that's a clever idea. You know, they looked like little, they were kind of brown and they had crumble on top and icing. And then I learned uh, that these are a viral recipe um, that um, wow. were inspired by the Gilmore I, Girls. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call them a viral recipe like <laughs> on the label or anything. But <laughs> So they were actually developed by a food blogger um, named Mallory J- uh, jones Oniki, um, her handle is at Palatable Life. Um, so she developed this recipe. It's a cinnamon cookie topped with streusel and drizzled with icing. And the idea was like, this is what they would have served at Luke's Cafe. Oh, wow. And it's cozy. But, you know, what a perfect combo for fall, right? Yeah. Like a spiced cookie with like a... Yeah. So there, I'm seeing not only are did, did everybody love them on the internets and on social, but also now bakeries are starting to make them. So look for them as your alternative to pumpkin spice muffins, oh, you know, okay. something appropriately fall. And it's a very easy recipe. Um, you can certainly find it if you go to Palatable Life, but other people have picked it up and it's all over the internet. So, you know, give them a look. Give them a look. They might be great for the holidays or for the fall. 
Okay. Now, Jonathan, um, we've had canned wine, we've had box wine, and now we're going to have wine in paper. This is sustainable effort or just something different? I mean, this is part, part of this is, is, is sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is um, a, a box of wine or this new paper um, bottle uh, much more recyclable, um, it's also much lighter than than um, glass and so much so much easier to ship you know because you're shipping one thing people don't realize is you know you're shipping from the factory to the winery you're shipping from the winery to the wine shop you're shipping from the wine shop to home you're shipping from home to to recycling Uh, there's a lot of shipping involved there there's a lot of that um, what they call transport emissions and something like this really minimizes that and with the technology we have using this composite paper product, you can make it look like a wine bottle. Wow. It's not okay. a box. It doesn't have a box yeah. form. It can actually look like what you expect wine um, to look like um, in, in a, a bottle. bottle. Let's take a listen. This is Frugal Pack's product director, J.P. Grogan, talking with CBS News about the benefits of paper wine bottles. The overall carbon footprint is much, much, much lower on a paper bottle than it is the equivalent glass bottle. We believe it's up to six times lower. How long do one of these bottles hold up for? For a red wine, we're seeing sort of in excess of a year and a half. For white wine, it's sort of in excess of 12 months. So you better drink that stuff, or otherwise, you're, this is not to be uh, aging. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite, one of my favorite um, wine numbers is um, the fact that Thursday is the biggest wine buying day in America. It is. Thursday is Thursday mm. is when people buy wine for the weekend. Okay. And ninety nine point nine 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 percent of it is gone by Monday morning. Okay. So <laughs> in ter- so in terms of, of of aging wine and that sort of thing. Um, you know that's that's more of your, that's more of your grandfather's Oldsmobile. Mm-hmm. We we we're not really concerned about that. We're not really concerned about that element anymore because that, that's not how people live. Um, I have to uh, be joyous with you, Amy, because Eastern Standard is coming back, yeah. mm-hmm. and I love that restaurant so much. Um, and I just am thrilled. Please, I'm so <laughs> thrilled. And Jackson Cannon is back doing the cocktails. He's an incredibly talented. Uh, mixologist, and it's just great to have the, the band back together. You know, and we lost those great that great restaurant because of uh, I, well, a, a landlord who wasn't willing to play ball with them, and. Um, everybody loved that place. I think everyone, it was one of those places in Boston where everybody felt welcome. Mm-hmm. You could go there to get a quick drink after work. You could go there for a big event, you know, an anniversary or a party, or you could go there before a Sox game. And there just was something for everybody there. But the quality wasn't like a, you know, IHOP something. Right? It was like really good food and, and drinks. All right. Jonathan, what is this white wine you brought here? So speaking of things, um, uh, wine in a box. Um, one of my new favorite wines happens to be in a box. Um, this is the Alileo Zibibo Macerato. Zibibo is the name of the grape, and Macerato means macerated. So this is a white grape that has been, um, if not fermented with its skins, at least had some skin contact. This is what you might call an orange wine, an amber wine, a skin contact wine. Um, but this one, um, the, the thing that's new to people in tasting orange wine is the presence of tannin, 
which we get in red wine all the time. But since it's got skin contact, now we've got a little bit of tannin in white wine. And um, this wine, I feel, has just got has just got that level just right. Um, just to close this out, Amy, spicy food, you know, it just will never die now. We, I love it, but, you know, <laughs> but it's just, it's interesting that it's more and more and more now. Yeah, I think it's in a way, um, I mean, when you hear someone say, like, I don't like spicy food, it's like, what? Are you kidding me? Are you alive right now? Like, it's, you said, I think it should be less and less optional to sort of blanket state that you don't like spicy food. And I think I'm noticing... Um, I've been eating a lot of great Thai food recently, Mahani Yom in, in uh, Brookline Village, um, uh, uh, Crispy Guy up in Portland. Just And there's no more of that, like, mealy-mouthed tamper, you know, sort of uh, minimizing spice. They're coming full forward. It's not going to—it's not blossom. burning your mouth, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, blossom. Like, and I just love that restaurants just not feeling like they have to kowtow to the most conservative eaters. Um, so— you know, I think it's and because that's what those cuisines are meant to be. They're from hot climates. People eat spicy because it actually helps in a hot climate to eat spicy food and and, you know, eat the food as it was meant to be made. And and they're not making it at the full force. You know, um, they're still they're still kind of tempering it a little bit but but you should feel the heat. And for me, what is perfect, that perfect level where you feel it, but you're not you're not crying. You're not, you know, reaching for a glass of milk. But it's like a pleasant burning. It actually releases endorphins. Um, you know, I used to live in New Mexico and like you would have chili. Yeah, on everything. And it I felt when I'd feel a cold coming on, I'd make sure to have some red chili. You know, it's good for you. You know you're alive. Hooray. Like hooray that we're yeah. I think we can credit the uh spicy burger trend that to have brought all of this to to you know, it helped the palates of many folks who thought they would never eat spicy. That's true. Yeah. And, and yeah, and balancing it with fat, you know, can help balancing it with dairy can help sweetness. Um, you know, and it's in many cuisines, gochujang is now like the go-to yeah. spice mm-hmm. from Korean cuisine. It's showing up ch- chili crisp. You know, it, it, if you like, if you're not eating spicy things, you're kind of not eating what's exciting in food right now. Well, I'll tell you what, both of you are exciting to have conversation <laughs> with as always. And so I'm, I thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, Callie. Thanks, Callie. Jonathan Alsop is the founder and executive director of the Boston Wine School and author of The Wine Lover's Devotional. Amy Traverso is the senior food editor at Yankee Magazine, co-host of the GBH series Weekends with Yankee, and author of The Apple Lover's Cookbook. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our intern is Ashley Sobroto. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. Listen again on Wednesday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening. 